Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Somebody say amen. So good. Wonderful to see you. Uh, man, I love how, how God moves in our lives. Isn't it amazing that, that we all can, can come in here, you can join online, and we can all be in places where, where we know we have such huge needs, and the Lord's not intimidated by any of it. He, he just sees each one of us, and if we're willing to open our hearts to Him, He meets us. And he changes our hearts. He transforms our lives. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful weekend that we get to, to see that and participate in that. It's very special. Um, and I love how, how God just orchestrates things. So last week we had Pastor Tom uh, Lane from, from Gateway Church that is our apostolic overseer. And we set in two new elders on our elder team and it was a great weekend, a significant weekend for us. And so if you hadn't had a chance, if you weren't here last week, you can see that online. Um, but these are, these are wonderful steps. And then this weekend, um, we have this, this uh, great opportunity to open our hearts to the Lord. So one of the, the most influential, and I don't say that lightly, but one of the most influential voices in my life and then as, as our friendship and relationship with uh, Byron and Rochelle has grown in Anna and I's life. Um, you're going to hear from, from a friend that cares deeply. And he cares not only that, that, um, that your pastor is a good pastor, but he, he cares so much that, that I would be a good husband before I'm a good pastor. And he cares that I would be a good father before I'm a good pastor. And before all that, he cares that, that I would treat myself like a child of God and like a human being. And there's a, there's a pull in our society and our culture that, that will pull us away from the walk that, that Jesus died and sacrificed and gave his life that you and I could walk in the rest and the confidence that he's called us to. And, and Pastor Byron is a voice that draws us back to that, that helps us see that. I have a lot of Pastor Byron stories, and um, uh, I like to share them. Many of you have heard them before, uh, but, but I, I, I like to go back. My favorite is the first moment, and so there's a couple of things from our first time together. Anna and I were sitting and, and talking with him in, in, during a service, and so we were meeting in the lobby, and we were just talking, and I remember him saying, and we were in this at Gateway Church, and if you've never been to Gateway Church, you've never heard of Gateway Church, God's used Gateway Church and continues to use God, uh, Gateway Church in a massive way. And so we're in this massive building. Anna and I were there for the first time, and I, it was the biggest church building we'd ever been in. And we're looking around like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is incredible. And, and yet God's spirit was there, and the peace of God was there. And we met with Pastor Byron, and, and he, at one point in the conversation, he, he turns to us and he goes, hey, I know you see all this, but like, Look, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and there, there's something about godly humility that, are, that our hearts jump at. And we go, oh, that's safe. 
I don't have to pretend around this. I don't have to be anything other than who God's called me to be around this. I can be open with my brokenness. And so Ann and I, we jumped at that safe place. And we met with, with Pastor Byron for a number of hours, and then we left, and we're like, we don't really know that guy, but he knows every dark, dirty <laughs> secret that we have ever had. He knows where the bodies are buried, this guy. And, and God wants his church to be a safe place for brokenness and continue to be a safe place for brokenness because how many of you know God's work is still happening in our lives? Every week, every day, he wants to work in that. And so th this is, this is a, a wonderful moment for us. Would you join me in just welcoming Pastor Byron as he comes today? Ocean Church, you're doing good? It's so good to see you. It's been a year since I've been here, and we also want to welcome those who are watching online. It's been a year since I've been here, and you're multiplying. <laughs> There's so many more of you, and we're just, uh, my wife Rochelle and I are so excited to be here with you, and, uh, and I'm preaching today, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, think about it really, right? Like, Byron, go and, and share my word and my truth with Ocean's Church. It's like, God, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Only you can do that. And so the Lord is doing supernatural things here. And um, at Gateway Church, we get a chance to, to help a lot of churches around the country and around the world. So we get a chance and an opportunity to talk to a lot of pastors and leaders. And, and we get to see a lot of churches and and just kind of put our eyes on them and just there's a commonality with churches that are healthy and growing and vibrant because here's the thing that that we must know is that the Lord has a choice if he's going to show up or not now, I want you to think about what I said the Lord has a choice because he's God he can do whatever he wants right it, he doesn't have to come to Ocean Church on Sunday morning he can go I don't like that place now, why would he not like that place? Well, he probably would not like that place if you have a, a leadership team that's prideful and arrogant and they're not concerned about you. <laughs> God's like, I ain't going there. <laughs> it's just the way he works, and we see it consistently. So when you see a place where God's presence is, it's like, hmm, we got to take a look here. At, we got to take a look at who's leading the church. We've got we to take a look at who he's put in charge because God loves putting humble people in charge, and he'll continue to show up if we have humble leaders. And so, Josh and Ann, I just want to say how much I love you guys, Rochelle and I do, and how proud we are of you. And I'm so thankful that uh, you don't think you can do this and you don't think you're the greatest thing in the world, but that you come every day here and you go, Lord, please show up. Aren't you thankful for that? I love that about you. I met him years ago, and I'm like, God, he could one day be a great senior pastor. <laughs> and you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping he stays here 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Josh, that's what I'm hoping for. Because this community, this community, people who drive by, who live all around here, need a place to come and worship where they're not going to be distracted by a bunch of nonsense, right? And so, um, guys, it's quite an honor 
uh, for me to be here today and to be with you. And um, I'm excited because you guys are in a series, There Is More, and I get to be a part of that today. I get a chance to, to encourage you. And uh, you should leave here encouraged today or something's wrong. You didn't hear my message right. <laughs> so make sure you leave here encouraged. But we're going to tackle one of the most uh, intimidating passages in the Bible. Actually, it's so intimidating that a lot of pastors won't preach on it because it's like, ooh, that's, you're going to scare people off. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to look at you. If you have your Bible, you can open it up or you can look on your, your phone as well. Matthew 16 24 through 26, here's what Jesus said. He said this to his disciples. If any man wants to follow me, you must turn from your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world but lose their own soul. Can you put a price on a person's soul? The title of my message today is, You Can Do It. You can do it, and we're going to talk that through today. So, hey, I grew up in uh, Louisiana, a small town, a sprawling metropolis of Keithville, Louisiana. Anybody heard of Keithville? No, you have not. You would be lying if you say you did. It's a small town outside of Shreveport, and, and it's not the South. Louisiana's the dirty South, okay? It's another level of South. And in Louisiana, in my town, I was in Keithville. There's parts of Keithville, but I live sort of in the hood of Keithville, okay? Um, and occasionally, don't take this personally, ladies, um, I'd see a lady who was, you know, dipping skull and had snuff in her mouth, and so... If you dip skull, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings here, but it was a little strange back in those days. And a lot of people had two first names, so Jimmy John and Billy Bob, and that was pretty normal back in my town. And I was, uh, I was a member of the First Baptist Church of Keithville. That's where I grew up. And for some reason, coming through that experience, I gave my life to the Lord there uh, in, when I was a teenager, but... I'm not blaming the church, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming the enemy. But coming through that process, I, as a young person, had this feeling that I could not measure up to God, that I wasn't good enough, that I had to work and earn God's favor. That was a reality in my life. And it was a reality through a, a lot of my life that I had to earn God's favor, I had to earn his love. I had to work for it. I had to perform for him. And so I became what we call self-righteous in that I was trying to earn his love and earn his grace. And a lot of people do that. This is a rampant problem in, in church. This is a rampant problem in society that people feel like God's way up here and I'm down here and I have to earn it. Even Christians do this. Okay, well, that was my reality. And so I was, I was the kid as a teenager who would just come down to the altar over and over again to get saved. I just could not get it inside of me that the grace of God was just the grace of God, that he'd forgiven me and that he loved me. And so in a lot of ways, I did not enjoy my faith and I did not enjoy my relationship with God. There were parts of it that were good, but there was so much of my faith that just... 
it just wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. It was not abundant life. So I'm married now. We have two young sons. And, and I remember in my early 30s reaching a point where I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore. You're asking me to be a good father and to love my wife and to be a good guy and to be a good pastor and to love my kids and to, to give them what they need and to, to be intimate and close to my family and to, you know, to mow the grass occasionally, <laughs> to take care of things and to, you know, put food on the table. And I remember having this conversation with God. It's like, I can't, I can't do it all. God, I can't do it. And I felt like the Lord said to me in that moment, Byron, you can do it. And I'm going to help you do it. And I want to say that to you today. You can do it. And God's going to help you. He's going to carry the heavy load for you. He's going to help you. And so in that moment, guys, I surrendered. And I went, I'm doing this the wrong way. And from that point on, it's been different. There's been a lot of joy in my life. And so I want to talk about what I learned in that time that has so helped me to even think about looking deeper into a Matthew 16, which seems so intimidating. And here's what I learned. I learned that, that God has a special place in his heart for the broken, the imperfect, those who mess up, those who feel like a failure, those who don't feel like they can do it. God has a special place in his heart for you. And it's all throughout the word of God, but there's one spot in particular where it is that we, we want to talk about. It's in Luke 5, 31, 32. So Jesus is sitting around a bunch of broken people, a bunch of sinners. And, and there's some self-righteous people kind of on the edge going, why is he sitting with those people? He doesn't belong with them. And this is what Jesus says. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. How many of us are sick? I'm sick. I need some help. I have not come to, I have not come to call those who listen, think they are righteous and who are trying to earn it, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. That is us. That is the secret. That's where we want to be. We are broken people. We must embrace our brokenness. We're all broken compared to God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, when we compare ourselves to him. So quit trying to do it yourself. You'll be miserable like I was for half my life. The second thing you want to do is this. Here's the next thing that I learned is that only God can do the supernatural. Only God can do the miraculous. And if you're a self-righteous person and you're trying to earn it, what you're trying to do is change yourself by your works. You're trying to get God to like you more. And you want to feel like, I have a part in this, and in this deal, guys, you got no part. <laughs> you do have a part, but it's very small. And I say it like this. God tells you to do the natural, and he will do the supernatural. You do the natural, he does the supernatural. You have a part, so yeah, you have a part, but God has a bigger part. And listen, God has the heart part. You want to know how powerful you are? You can't change your heart spiritually. You can't do it. You could try for the rest of your life and you can't do it. This is why Jesus came. And I love the passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. 
Jesus says this. He says, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Think about this. If your faith is just working all the time and you're frustrated with your relationship with God, you're probably working for it because Jesus says, come and I'll give you rest. And then it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for, listen, Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart to you and you will find rest for your souls. And then it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so let's break this down a little bit. That word yoke, that word yoke in the Greek is a word called zugos. And what it means is it's a, it's a, wooden, it's a wooden pole with holes in it. And what it actually was, they would put this over the head of two oxen that are pulling a plow. And so uh, this, this little piece of wood actually balances. And so when you look at the meaning of yoke, it means a balancer to distribute weight. And so here's what happens when we're trying to earn our faith and we're, tr we're trying to, to make ourselves better by our own works. And being self-righteous, actually, we're, we're, we're pulling a part of the yoke. God's in there with us. We're pulling a part of the yoke that we're not supposed to be pulling. Because to move the yoke, you have to apply force. And God says, you got the little part. I got the big part. I got the big part. You can't change your heart. You do your part, I'll change your heart. You do your part, I'll do the supernatural. You can't do it on your own. Here's what else I learned. I learned I miss God when I'm in a spiritual competition with you. I miss God when I'm trying to earn my faith, when I'm trying to do it myself, when I'm comparing myself to you, or when I'm looking down, down my nose at you spiritually. I miss God. I also miss God, listen, when I'm not willing to be open about my humanity and about my struggles. We miss the Lord. I also learned that I need God's grace more today at 54 years old than I did way back then. And the Bible says in Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every single day. Is that good? <laughs> That's real good. His mercies are new today. So you can go to God and yesterday is gone. It's over. God will fill up your cup again today. He will fill it up. I also learned that I can't try to earn from God what is unearnable. Earnable. Is that a word? Any uh, English teachers in here? I think I just made up a word. It's unearnable. You can't do it. So don't try. And I also learned that when I read his word, for many, many years, guys, when I read his word, when I read the word, I could see God's face and the scowl on his face that he was angry with me and that he was full of judgment. And a lot of people do that, that God does not see you and love you. Now I read the Bible as a love story of a perfect, almighty God who created the universe, who is all-powerful. Nobody tells him what to do. Nobody. And that powerful, holy God loves a broken humanity like you and me. And when you read the word of God, you think of, I need to interpret this through the eyes of a loving God. And so we get to a passage like Matthew 16 and we start looking at it and we're like, 
people stay away from that one. And it's like, why? Because in there, there must have been love. There must have been some kind of help for us in there. It must have been God going, I, I, I'm trying to help you. And here's how I'm trying to help you. And if you read it in that context, you'll see, hey, I want to teach you how to live your life and not lose your soul. I want you to finish your life with a life-giving soul. I want, you to, I want you to have a life where it's abundant life. I want you to find your life. I don't want you to lose your life. Don't go through this life and get to the end and go, I missed it. That's what Jesus was trying to do. So in Matthew, in Matthew 16, 24, that first sentence, he's trying to show us how to find life and how to keep our soul. So basically, if Jesus was saying to Ocean Church, Ocean Church, here's how you do that. Number one, say yes to God. Say yes. What is your part? Say yes. If is an invitation, it says, if anyone wants to follow me, it's an invitation. You have the opportunity to choose. God doesn't even make you. And you have the opportunity to choose right now. You can go, I'm not listening to this. This is not for me. I'm not. Or you can say, yes. Yes, God. If you feel the conviction of the Lord right now, yes, God. Yes. Or you go, ooh, I feel the conviction of the Lord. There's some things I need to look at. And you don't look at them. We have the opportunity to say yes to God. And here's what I've learned. In the smallest of things in life, when we say yes to God, it's worship to him. The smallest of times. And, and one of the, the ways that we can say yes to God most, so many times the way we treat ourselves, we diminish ourselves. Well, John 1, 1, says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. So that is a bedrock scripture in the word to say, you are a child of God, treat yourself that way. And so when you say yes to, to not diminishing yourself with decisions that will destroy you, and you say yes to God, and you say, I'm not doing that. Yes to God. I'm going to treat myself as a child of God. It's one way that you're just saying in the smallest of ways, yes to God. You may get in a situation where you want to behave a certain way that's not good, and you say yes to God. Over and over and over. When you say yes to God, you are actively worshiping him. That's what you're doing. You are actively worshiping him. So here's a reality, guys. A lot of you, and even those who are watching online, you've gone through situations in your life where it's been difficult and hard. Even this last couple of years as a nation, it's been so difficult. There's so many people struggling with all sorts of situations right now and, and depression and fear and all these things. And so a lot of times what happens when we struggle with disappointment and pain, all of a sudden it just comes on us and we stop saying yes to God. We just stop saying yes. And remember, your part, God will do the supernatural part. Your part is to say yes to him. So don't confuse motion with progress. Okay? Don't confuse motion with progress because you can sit here right now, but you... Maybe it's been a long time since you said yes to God. What happens when you say yes to God? Here's what happens. The inside of you begins to change. The Holy Spirit starts moving. There may be even conviction there for some things. God may be saying, hey, you don't want to do that to yourself. He might be talking to you. You see spiritual growth. You, you see courage in yourself that you hadn't seen in a long time because you stopped saying yes to God. It's supernatural. Say yes to God. 
one of my jobs growing up in the sprawling metropolis of Keithville, you remember that place? Was I worked at a peach orchard. Anybody like peaches here? Like Louisiana has some of the best. I know because I ate a bunch of them. Okay, and I love this job. And, and so I worked there, picked peaches on this peach orchard. And every time I got to like a huge peach, I would eat it. And so by the end of the day, I'd eaten 8, 10, or 12. I mean, I left full every single time. And the lady who ran the peach orchard, I drove her crazy. Somehow she knew every time I was about to eat one. And I can hear her voice right now, her raspy voice, quit eating the prophet. Quit eating the prophet. Byron, quit eating the prophet. It, uh, eventually it ended my employment there. At, but I ate well for, for a while. Um, but what was cool about that peach orchard in Louisiana is that there were parts of that orchard there where the trees were bigger and taller and the fruit was more abundant. And I like working in those parts because the, they were going to be bigger and juicier. That's where I want to work. The question is why? Well, the reason why is the soil. The soil was more fertile in certain parts of that orchard. And so what you would see was, were bigger trees and more fruit on those trees. And here's the way it works spiritually. How do you know if you're not just slow motion and that you're making progress? Well, when you say yes to God, spiritual things start changing. Here's what God does. He puts miracle grow on your soil of your heart, as the Bible says. Good soil. You become good soil. Things start growing. And the fruit begins to grow in your life automatically. Galatians 5.25 says the fruit of the Spirit when you say yes to God, you're saying yes to his spirit. He begins to move inside of us. So love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Guys, listen, you can't work those into your life. It's not the way it works. You say yes to God. He does it. It's supernatural. You do the natural. He does the supernatural. Think about this, because we're talking about our relationship with God and how it works but I'm here with, Rochelle is here with me. We're coming up on 31 years of marriage this year. Can anybody say amen? I cannot believe she has stayed with me that long. It's a miracle. We are a miracle. But what if I stopped saying yes to her, she stopped saying yes to me? What if we stopped holding hands and going on our walk? What if we stopped telling each other that we love each other? What if... One of us moved out of the room and moved into another room. And what if we quit having those special moments? What would happen? You know what would happen. The relationship would be over. It requires us both saying yes to one another. It requires us saying yes to God. Hey, listen, you can do that. You can do that. You can say yes to God. Number two, say no. So we're going to from say yes What's your part to say no? If any man wants to be my disciple, any person wants to be my disciple, turn from your own way. Turn from your own way. Now, a lot of people get weird with this part because they're like, it feels like you're saying no to me, and it's not saying no to you and who God made you, your unique personality and your gifts and your traits and characteristics. God made you in the way he wanted you to be made. He put gifts inside of you that nobody else has. That's not what we're saying no to. What we're saying no to is the selfish side of us, the self-centered side of us, the prideful side of us, 
That's what we're saying no to. And that's our part. When we see it, we say no. Don't sweep it under the rug. We all have, we all have flaws. We all have things about ourselves that are not good and they're not going to produce good fruit. When you see it come up in your life, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't let it be a blind spot to you where it's like, yeah, Byron's got all this stuff in his life, all these blind spots, but nobody can tell him anything. That's not where you want to be. You want to be a person who's listening to those around you. That's what I want to be. I want to learn where I'm selfish, and sometimes I can't do that by myself. And, and what happens is self-centered ways, they, get, they sort of come to life in close relationships, in marriage, when we raise our kids, in friendships, and even, even sometimes in church groups together where we learn. We see ourselves, and we go, I don't like that part of me. When you see it, don't turn away from it. I could write a book on selfish ways, okay? I've done some crazy stuff that I just wanted to do and, and disregarding my family and disregarding what she thinks and not asking her, like even just things that we can laugh about now, but just selfish stuff. Like one time I put a for sale by owner in front of our house, stuck it right in the ground, right in front of our house. I didn't even bother to ask my wife now. That's not a good move, is it? People are knocking on our door. Hey, how much are you selling your house for? Who put the sign in our yard? I was in trouble. But I just sort of did whatever I wanted to do early in my life with her. And we all have those things where, and it's just not good. Rochelle and I, again, we're coming up on 31 years of marriage. But early on in marriage, we, we, we dated for a bit. And we realized that we weren't good at dating. And so we decided to get married. <laughs> Anybody else do that? <laughs> Is it just us? <laughs> and we're like, we're not good at dating, so I think we're going to get married. <laughs> you know, you might want to go through a pre-marriage class and get some mentoring and all that. That's all good. We didn't do that. We jumped right in both feet. Okay, and what we discovered when we got in, I began to discover how self-centered I was. <laughs> and, and I discovered with Rochelle how that she had pretty significant issues with men. I'm like, ooh, this is not good. And you're going, well, why did she marry a man? I'm like, I don't know. Ask her. She's sitting right over here. <laughs> um, selfishness and pain, the pain that she had from the past didn't mix very well. And I was not even in a place to even help her, really. So the first part of our marriage and life together, we were mad at each other constantly. We were not talking. And it was just a consistent pattern for the first 10 or 11 years where a selfish guy with a wonderful lady who had a lot of pain from the past in her relationship with men, starting with her dad, it was just, it was difficult. <laughs> but we loved each other and we knew we were supposed to be married. And the Lord began to change my heart. And I needed to deal with my selfishness first before we could go anywhere. And I remember we were together and we weren't talking. I was frustrated with her. She was probably frustrated with me. And she was across the room and just in God's sweet way, how he speaks to us in his still small voice. And he said, Byron, I want you to stop trying to to change her and to control her and kind of make her what you want her to be. 
was coming in. I'm like, I would never tell myself these things. It had to be the Lord. And, and he says, all I want you to do is love her. And I want you to accept her for who she is. And I want you to value her. And I thought, what about this, this, this? All I want you to do is love Rochelle. That's all your part. Well, at that point, guys, I had to say no to some selfish ways. Amen? Amen. I had to say no to a lot of selfish ways. And that was a, that was a, a seminal moment in our marriage where I got to say no to myself so I can love her. That's the right thing to do. And God, whatever transformation you need to do in our marriage, I'm going to leave it up to you because I can't do it. And she can't either. And as we begin to love each other, starting with me being a whole lot less selfish, God has given us an incredible marriage. Can anybody say amen to that testimony? So thankful. It's the way God works. It's the way God works. We have to say no to our selfish ways. And you don't have to do it all at once. Just start practicing saying no. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a person in their mind, but the end leads to death and, and, and spiritual death. I want to encourage you, say no when you see those parts of yourself that are not going to be life-giving and edifying. And last, number three, start walking and talking. Start walking and talking. So the last part of Matthew 16, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, if you want to have life, if you want to keep your soul, take up your cross and follow me. And so if you're anything like me, here's the visual that you have my whole life, the visual of me carrying a cross, right? This is what you got to do. You got to carry your cross. I got my burdens to bear. I got to carry my cross, uh, sweat coming down your brow. This is what it looks like. Oh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what it is. That's not what Jesus was saying. In my mind for my whole life, that's what I thought. That's not what he was saying. When you look at that passage, when you think of the cross, it was a symbol of sacrifice. Him doing something that we could not do for ourselves. Going to the cross. It's also a picture of the grace of God and how much he cares about us and how much he loves us and gives us his grace through the cross. Then the Greek word for take up, take up your cross, it means to carry or to bear. And so you see carry and bear and sacrifice and grace. And so the other place you see the word bear is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, when it says, bear one another's burdens. See where I'm going here. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, it's really not even the law of Christ. It's really the love of Christ because his law is love. And so when you put those together, you get here's the picture that you get when Jesus says, follow Take up your cross, everybody, those watching online. Take up your cross and follow me. And we start walking together and we're following Christ. His grace and strength he gives us. He gives us everything that we need, right? 
He does. And then we look to the right or the left. We see brothers. We see sisters. We see people that we're walking with. We see family members. And they're carrying heavy burdens. And we see them dropping their burden. We reach over and we hold them up. We say, here, come on. You can do it. Then we look here and we've got, you know, my friend Josh. We walk together. I'm carrying a heavy burden. I may share that to him. And he, he reaches over and he lifts my burden, you know, there in Texas through the phone. He lifts me up. We lift one another up. We walk together. And some of you are going like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. I got too many burdens in my life. I have so many people that I'm taking care of right now. I'm, I'm the caretaker of everybody's burdens. And here's what I'm telling you right now. That's not scriptural. Somebody's got to help you with your burdens. And that's going to mean that you're not taking care of everybody, but occasionally you're going, i got to take care of my soul too. <laughs> Let some folks help you. Find some people here that can encourage you and help carry some of your burdens if you're carrying these heavy burdens. Then we got other folks who you're kind of just by yourself. You're, you're, you're in a, a room here alone, and it's just you. And you've convinced yourself of that reality, and it's like, that's not it either. you got to come out and start just looking around. You just take it a little bit at a time. Start finding people around you who are carrying heavy burdens and help them a little bit. Just a little bit. Just, just start doing it as you follow the Lord. Because what happens is, when we do this, God does the supernatural, right? He begins to transform us when we take those small steps. Now, here's why I know 100% what I'm saying is truth when it comes to carrying the cross because the reason we're here today is, is Jesus, the one who said to us, take up your cross and follow me, him. The Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, born of a virgin, the one who God exalted to the highest place of honor, that at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, him, Jesus, could not carry his own cross. As a man, he could not carry his own cross. The Roman soldiers beat him with a lead-tipped whip. They tore his clothes off and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove a thorn, a crown, a crown of thorns, and pressed it down on his head. There was blood all over him. So beaten, mocked. They put a reed stick in his hand to, to ridicule him and mock him as the king of the Jews. They would take that stick out of his hand. They would slap him across the face, the Bible says. They spit in his face. They cursed at him. Until, the Bible says, until they were tired of it. And then they put that wooden pole on his back. And they said, carry it. And he did his best to carry it as far as he could carry. And at a certain point, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but 
the reason we're here today, our Savior, our Lord, the one who loves you, stumbled and fell, and that piece of wood fell on the ground. And it fell at the feet of a man named Simon from Cyrene, as the Bible said. And Simon carried his cross the rest of the way to Golgotha. The cross that he would be crucified on to give us freedom and grace. Amen. Freedom and grace. Don't walk by yourself. Don't walk by yourself. Don't walk alone. Start walking. Start following him. You do the little part. He does the big stuff. It's not that hard. He already did the hard stuff. He came to set you free. He didn't come to give you a whole bunch of rules to follow and for you to torment yourself. And he actually wanted you to walk with other people who love you and believe in you. But you got you to open yourself up a little bit. God's heart would be there would be no person at Ocean Church who walks through their pain alone. No person that you would look around and you would see a few people that you've gotten to know and trust a little bit and they know your story and they're lifting you up. You're not by yourself. And that's God's heart for you today. Say yes to him. Say no to our selfish ways. And start walking and talking and sharing life together. And listen, your soul will be alive. You will experience life abundant. And there will be grace and peace over your life, as the Bible says. Let's all pray together. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. You are so kind. Your word says that you came to set the captive free. And we're all broken and need freedom, all of us. We humble ourselves before you. Because we know that you have a special place in your heart for broken people. And we embrace that reality today. Those who are carrying heavy burdens and who are tormented by works and life today, Lord, I pray you would break through in them today and they would be able to lay the heavy burdens down at your feet in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.